1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with you for another hour. And this hour on the score is brought to you by Horwitz and Horwitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. So Joe, in 1991, is covering the Cubs at Dodger Stadium. And uh, it's weird in the first row of the press box, far over on the left hand side near the broadcast booths, was always this open space. It was sort of like a desk. It didn't really have uh, a chair, but sometimes someone would put, put one there and uh, various different sorts of people would show up and sit down there. Like the eye in the sky, I would see Joe Ferguson there or Mike Sosha. Those were. Those are really interesting guys to talk to. Hmm. Sometimes you're assorted, uh, actor or actress, it's Dodger Stadium, or, or sure. comedian would sit down there. Some of them not so pleasant, some of them <laughs> very pleasant. And, uh, on this one particular day in 1991, Robert Wall sat down next to me. And, uh, on this day, Danny Jackson lost a contact lens. And so as as uh, Cubs players crowded around the mound and began looking for looking for Danny Jackson's contact lens, Robert Wall, who was sitting right next to me, uh, without hesitation says, uh, well, candlesticks will make a nice gift. Okay, let's get two. It was perfect. Like, he didn't even hesitate. It was as though he had been waiting for that to happen. Having said that, right now, let's go out to the score hotline where we're joined by the legend himself, the pitching coach from Bull Durham. He's Robert Wool, one of the stars of a cinematic treasure, actor, writer, comedian. He's done it all. You can follow him on Twitter at Robert Wool, and you can hear him right now on Hit and Run. Robert, Barry Rosner, and Joe Ostrowski. Thanks for joining us.
3: Barry, Joe, happy Father's Day to you and everybody listening out
2: there. Thanks so much. Uh, We celebrate this movie all the time. It's my favorite baseball movie of all time. I think a lot of people feel that way. Happy 30th anniversary. Why do you think this movie holds up so well and is so beloved among baseball fans?
3: Oh, wow. Great question. Um, It's a good movie. Uh, The script... It's, more, it's not about, you know, Ron and I talk, Ron Shelton, the director, and I've talked about this many times. He just went down to celebrate the anniversary in Durham, where, very funny story before I go into that. The, you know, we got, Bull Durham got about as many good reviews, Oscar nominations, everything Across the, across the you know whole place, it got one bad review, which was just a local Durham newspaper. And right, those things, are on to that day, it's like, they said, well, it didn't capture Durham that well. It was one of those firemen reviewing firemen movies. You know, it's like, oh, they had your left hand on the pole rather than the right hand on the pole. It's like, so the only bad review we got was in Durham. That being said, why does it hold up? It's a really good Character piece. I mean, it's a great piece of writing. It's, it's, first of all, the reason most baseball or sports movies fail, in my opinion, Ron's opinion, is that they're told from the point of view of the fan. And the fan only cares about one thing does the team win or lose? That's all the fan ever cares about. And there's always usually come down to a big game, there's always the big game. And like Rock said, there are no big games. You know, every, if you're talking about a career of an athlete, yeah, there's going to be bigger games than other games. But basically, you're doing this every day of your life, you know, for a period of 20, 30 years. Um, it's usually about, he goes, I don't know what the fan thinks. The fan doesn't care. He goes, I know what the guy at second base thinks. The guy at second base is trying to keep his job. And that's what the movie was about. It's about a guy trying to keep his job and coming to the end of the road. And and finding, you know, finding love along the way. And it captured a world about guys, you know, who are in between. There, Some of them aren't good enough to make the major leagues. One guy's coming up. He's going down. Uh, the woman who's between them, the pros, the love of baseball, the camaraderie. You know, it wasn't about a big game. You know, uh, it, and it's just a really good move. Now, you know, there are people who... I've heard say, "Well, it's not really a baseball movie," which I don't get. I don't get that at all. These are the same, same people who come Christmas time pick Die Hard. And- I know.
4: I was thinking the same thing.
3: <laughs> I mean, how is Die Hard a Christmas movie? My God, my God, that's like saying the Field of Dreams is a ghost story. The, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, no, you're. Um, it's good, but I mean, but it is about. It's about Americana. It's about small-town America. It's about characters, really, you know, people that you can relate to. Uh, I I think it's just a great piece of writing. I really do. I just think it's really good.
2: It, it is spectacular writing, and much was made of Ron Shelton's minor league experience and that being a big uh-huh. part of this. When you talked to him about it when you when you were cast, when when you started going through this process, was that your impression that it was going to be, what it was like riding the buses and – in living in the minor leagues? Yes.
3: Now, keep in mind, none of us knew that this movie was going to succeed. Nobody did. Baseball movies historically had never succeeded uh, in the box office up to that point. There had been a few minor successes. Um, but, uh, you know, we thought, you know, it, it, Kevin. It, this is all Kevin Costner who agreed to come on and he was really hot coming off of The Untouchables and No Way Out. And then Susan had a great reputation. Uh, Tim was an unknown and, in fact, Tim was coming off a mammoth flop called Howard the Duck. Oh,
2: so, Lord. Um, <laughs> You
3: Lord. Know, so, you know, nobody thought. But we all thought we were doing good work. We all loved the prose of the script. That much we did like. Uh, capturing, we did know that Ron was, that, uh, this is what was great about it. Like, first day of shooting, the very first shot I was involved in was um, a scene in the locker room. Where it was right after a game, and when everybody's coming in after a game, and the assistant director, whose job it is to wrangle all the actors and set the tone, said, "Okay, you're coming in after a game, and you've won the game." So everybody's really up and really excited. Okay, so do we walk in there? So there goes action, and hey, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: and Ron goes cut. He goes, "Guys, let me explain something to you." <laughs> This is routine. You have done this every day of your life, probably since the age of seven. You play baseball every day of your life. One game is pretty much just like the next game. What you're thinking about is where are we going to eat and where are the girls? He didn't use the word girls, but you get the idea. The, uh, he said, that's what, and, and let me tell you, that stayed over with me and Arlis. When I would do that, i said, say, this is routine. With athletes, it's a routine. They don't get that high. They don't get that low, especially in baseball because it's an everyday sport. Less so in football, but in baseball every day. You know, okay, okay, we won that game. Good game. Good game. Okay, answer the questions. Where are the girls? Where, where are we going to eat? That's really what it is. So he understood that, and he loved the world of the minor leagues and the promotions and everything. In fact, one of the, one of the sad things about the movies is you know, certain scenes always wind up getting cut for time or whatever, uh, and. The guy who played the shortstop on the team, his name was Danny Gans. Chicago guy. Yeah.
2: He was a Chicago. Yeah,
3: guy. right. And Danny, uh, of course, was became in the movie. where they did all these promotions. Danny would do be uh, doing his impressions at the stadiums, and it all got cut. He would do Michael Jackson. He would do this, and then everything got cut. Well, Ray, Danny later on became the king of Las Vegas, and uh, he was a minor league shortstop, by the way, or second base shortstop, second baseman. He was in a San Diego organization when they had Ozzie Smith, and Danny was the short, second baseman, and Ozzie was a shortstop. So those guys could play. The, the guys, we had Durham Bulls, and the guy who was our technical advisor was the coach of the Durham Bulls that year, which was a young guy named uh, Grady Little. So it was, it was fun. I mean, it was cold. That's the other thing I remember. It was, you can see it. If you watch the scene on the mound, you'll see the breath coming out of us because it was cold. We shot in November, so it was cold.
4: Bull Durham is a part of our baseball show here, Hit and Run, every single week. We play different lines from the movie. Uh, what is your favorite line?
3: I love when, when Crash tells the kids to shut up. <laughs> uh, I love strikeouts are fascist.
2: I love that. Um, Come on, got to be um, candlesticks make a nice gift. Well, well, that that it's, it's not my favorite. I mean, it's it,
3: you know and that's that's a famous line because you know what happened, but it was supposed to get cut out of the movie too. That's that scene was that entire scene was going to get cut. Wow! At uh, the scene on the mouth, they uh, all the studio heads when they screened the movie wanted the entire scene cut, saying you know it doesn't push anything, it doesn't push the plot. Wait, those Ron guys are
2: those pl- those guys are geniuses, aren't they?
3: Well, you know, had are points, but the, the problem was Ron would say, plot? What plot? There is no plot in this movie. <laughs> and he said, uh, and the only reason it stayed in was because when you screen the movie and you do it for focus groups, you always ask, what's your favorite scene in the movie? And that scene was always the first or second scene, mm-hmm. the top scene. So that's the only reason it stayed in. Now, how the line came about was totally different. Um, what had happened was a week before we started shooting, I had a friend of mine getting married, so I called my wife and uh, and I said, "Well, what do I get her for a wedding present?" She said, "Well, candlesticks always make a nice <laughs> gift, or find out where she's registered and get her a play setting. So comes time to shoot the scene. Now that's not the line in the movie. The line in the script was, "I was to run out there and, and and Crash Davis gives this whole thing about how the first baseman's girlfriend put a curse on the glove, and Nuke's father is in the." Stands and we don't know what to get Millie and Jimmy for a wedding present. We're dealing with a lot of stuff here, and my line was, "Oh, I thought there was a problem." Okay, let's get to. That was the line, and we shot that two or three times. This is the last shot at night. This is about five o'clock in the morning. Of course, they shot everything going out to the field, and I was coming in from the other side. You have to turn the cameras around. You have to turn the crowd around and everything else. So this is like five o'clock in the morning, just before it's going to get light, and it's cold. And Ron, so we shoot that scene three or four times, and Ron says, "Okay, last shot of the night." Uh, Robert, I know you're sitting in the dugout. You probably caught something on your mind. He goes, do anything you want to do. So we shoot the scene, and I do the, uh, they say the line, and I say, well, well candlesticks always make a nice gift, or find out where she's registered, and get her a place setting. Okay, let's get to. <laughs> and everybody stays in character. And the next day at dailies, and that was the end of it, and the next day at dailies where we would sit around and watch the you know, the dailies from the day before, we're all sitting around watching it, and that scene came up. And when it came on, everybody just broke up laughing. Now, I never, ever figured to see that scene again, ever, because most directors would say, well, it's funny and it works, but I didn't write it, so it's not staying in my movie. Mm-hmm. Ron's not like that. Ron, Barry Levinson, Tim Burton, the good ones aren't like that. When they see something that happens on the set, they use it. And, and it stayed in, and that's the only reason it stayed in. So uh, my wife is had, actually gets more credit for the line than I do.
2: <laughs> that's incredible. Um- how good of an athlete is Kevin Costner?
3: Very good. Very good athlete. He had to learn how to switch hit. You know, he's a natural right-handed hitter. So he had to learn how to hit, play, hit left-handed, and he does a pretty good job. Kevin's a good athlete.
2: Well, I mean, he, learned how, to, he, he learned how to play golf before 10-cup. That's pretty impressive. That's harder yeah.
3: to learn how to uh, he, he He played golf with me. He played golf beforehand. He got better. He definitely got better, uh, you know, because of the book. You know, Kevin did play up, but he's good. Kevin's a very good, very good athlete.
2: What um, What was the most fun about making this movie?
3: Everything. The, the, hanging around, the camaraderie was very special. The camaraderie of the entire crew and cast were very special. Susan included. Uh, Kevin. I mean, we hung out together. It was you know, um, I was fortunate. I had two films pretty much back to back. Where the, now, both of them were fairly male-oriented. With that, and Good Morning Vietnam, where all the guys, were, it was males, so they all hung together. Um, but that was pretty. Uh, I remember that. You know your and of course I also remember my dear friend Trey Wilson, who played the manager. Mm. We became very good friends, yeah. and uh, he and I would laugh together all the time. And, it, and then he, he, out of nowhere, he dies within a year. Shortly thereafter, it, when you
2: yeah. were when you were being cast for this did you feel like you had a great chance to get this part I mean did you know Ron ahead of time it's funny because we look back on the movies we love and I'm sure you do this too and you can't imagine somebody else other than that person playing that character and that's that's how I imagine you in this role I can't imagine anybody else doing that was was this an easy part for you to get
3: Ron will tell you, I did not know Ron Shelton beforehand. Ron will tell you that I gave the single worst audition he has ever seen any actor give for anything he's ever been in. I went in there. <laughs> what happened was I just come back. Uh, it wasn't, Larry Hockett did not have many lines in the script. He had maybe a half a dozen lines. It was mostly about, uh, um, I mean, he wasn't involved in the lollygagger thing. And we, we, Trey and I just worked that out. And he, he didn't have, he, did, he had the Sears line, Sears sucks, Lady Kenmore's. And he had, okay, let's get to, he had very few lines. So I had to figure out some hook into this character. And my dear friend, the late great Bruno Kirby, I, I ran it over, I spoke it over with him. And he said, I go, you know, I'm trying to find a hook for this character. And Bruno said, he goes, you know, for me, it seems that if the manager rises up through the, pit, through the minor league ranks, his pitching coach generally comes with him. So I go. That's okay. I, and then that gave me the hook. I said, "Okay, he's a yes man. That's all I need to know. He's a yes man." And my dad had played baseball, so I knew all the jargon and all the baseball talk. The hum, baby, come on, no batter, no batter, no batter, no You know, no bad. I knew all that stuff. So when I went into the audition, I was off the wall, saying, "Okay, nobody here, nobody here." He goes, and if the manager said something, I would, I would just, I would echo no matter what he said. And it, I was all over the place. And Ron. I walked out and the casting director who had brought me before Ron apologized for bringing me in. He goes, Ron, I'm really sorry about bringing Robert Wall. and He goes, yeah, that was the worst audition I ever saw. Hire him immediately. <laughs> he said he is going to bring something because he knew how to put together a ball club. He, that's what he was doing. He said, look, he's going to add something that I need. It's like a little left-hander coming in and getting a situational left-hander out. He goes, that's what he's going to bring to this movie. Uh, he's going to bring me a, a color and something that I need every now and then. And uh, then Ron and I became, you know, fast friends, and you and know, I did like three of his movies, you know, so uh, including Cobb. So, uh, so it was like that was, you know, but, but you know, now that's a horrible audition, but it worked.
2: So, uh, so some of the stuff with you and Trey was just was just kind of the thing that you would work out right there at the moment, like what's our record, Larry, eight and sixteen, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
3: a lot of that, something like yeah, I, I don't know which lines, but the Lollygag was was broken up. Uh, it was broken up. It was one speech, and then we would break it up. What does that make us? Lottigaggers. You know, it's like... It, it, he, uh, we would break... And also the stuff with, in, in the dugout with the chakras, left eye, right eye, stuff like that. You know, it looks like they're getting ready to call the roll. You know, it's, it's, that was all done on the spot or broken up on the spot.
4: It, it was funny you brought up that you didn't have a lot of baseball movies that were successful before Bull Durham. And, and no. now if this... Uh, started a conversation this week with the 30th anniversary. Oh, what's your favorite? What's your top five, top ten? You can you can do that now. You can make a list of baseball movies that we all love. Is it something special about baseball, or do you have a list of movies that you love outside of Bull Durham, baseball related?
3: Uh, yeah, but my list will probably be different than most. <laughs> I'm pretty tough. Uh, I think if, uh, starting off with uh, like I am not a. I, I have problems with both the natural and Field of Dreams, both of them. So, uh, one, Field of Dreams in the sense that it's a, you know, I have no problem with it up until the James Earl Jones speech, because James Earl Jones gives this speech about, Ray, baseball reminds of us of all that was once good, Ray. You know, and then, then I go, really? And I'm thinking to myself, really? Until 1947, you couldn't play. I'm looking at all those ballplayers coming out of the fields. I don't see anybody of color there. How does baseball remind us of all that was good? So I got a problem with that one. That's number one. Number, the natural, I, I love the book. And the book is different. You know, the book, he fails. The book, he strikes out at the end. And, my, and also my problem with the natural is that, let me go back. I go, wait a minute. This guy's a single guy in his 20s. He picks up a girl. She shoots him. She jumps out of the window. Why is he hiding for 20 years? So I never understood why is he hiding. He didn't do anything wrong. So the whole basic of that, and of course, then he hits the home run at the end. That's very Hollywoodish hocus pocus, where the intent of the book is that he strikes out, and at the end, and the, the whole idea of Malamud's uh, story is that you know, you know, talent without character is not enough, because he is throwing baseball games and he is doing this stuff, and when he tries to redeem himself, it's, you know, a new kid comes around and beats him. In fact, with baseball, the great thing is if you think about it, the three most famous. Baseball's about losing. Baseball that's why if you hit three hundred, you're a star. You're failing seventy percent of the time. But the three most famous probably pieces of literature about baseball all are about losing. You got take me out to the ball game, which is one, two, three strikes, you're out. You have Casey at the back, the mighty Casey strikes out, and the natural. And he strikes out. Now, obviously it's a Hollywood movie and you wouldn't get the great Randy Newman score and the whole scoreboard stuff. So it's more hocus pocus, but I'm not. So, so I'm going to put those two movies to the side. I like them. I'm just not in love with them. Uh, the ones I do like very much. The most underappreciated sports movie in my mind, maybe of all time, is the original Bad News Bears, uh, because it is just a great movie, and it's about America. It's much. It's mu- It's more. It's much more uh, than just a little baseball movie. It's about America and where people were then, and about Little League and how parents deal with Little League and their children and and, and hoisting their dreams and everything. That's a great movie, the original one. Um, Another great baseball movie. I like Bang the Drum slowly a lot. Uh, Granted, you know, De Niro can't really play, but he's awfully good (laughs) in the movie. Uh, Another terrific baseball movie was about five or ten years ago called Sugar, which was a movie about a kid who comes from the Dominican Republic and, uh, and has to assimilate himself into... Uh, I The Minor Leagues of America and how all these kids come out of there and they don't speak English and they go, that's a terrific baseball movie, really good. You think it's a documentary and it's not. Uh, that's a terrific baseball movie. You know, Pride of the Yankees is Pride of the Yankees. You know, it's it's small it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it is what it is. Ron Shelton hates it because Gary Cooper couldn't play. the uh, But it, it's a, you know, it's a good Hollywood movie. That's a real good one. In the same vein, there's a little comedy called It Happens Every Spring with Ray Maland which is very funny about a professor, an egghead professor, who develops a serum that repels base, uh, repels wood, so he becomes a pitcher. funny, funny little movie. Uh, Eight Men Out is a good movie. I like that movie. Um, trying to think of other ones off the top of my head that people really like. Major League's okay. I mean, I'm not the biggest Major League fan in the world, but I understand the appeal of it. Uh, it's a funny, you know, if people who just like, again, you'll know, get people basically fall to either Major League camp or Bull Durham camp. Uh, And usually, I find the smarter people in the Bull Durham camp.
2: (laughs) Well, that you know that makes perfect sense because I'm a Bull Durham guy, all the way. Yeah,
3: well, but you'll find other people who aren't as, you know, if you like just baseball and you want to know who again coming down to the big game and you you know. But I like I like Major League, you know, but it's it's a more lowbrow movie than Bull Durham. It just is. Uh, It doesn't make that. I'm not going to put a judgment. Well, I did put a judgment on. So be it. So, uh, what else? What are the baseball movies? Uh, The Rookie, uh, is okay. This is a nice story.
4: And you're, you're not including Ken Burns, right?
3: Oh, that's for a this conversation.
4: Thing.
3: That's a whole, that, that's yeah. a, a whole document. I'm not, I usually, I don't, I don't talk about the movies I'm in. I don't, I'm not, I'm not talking about Cobb either. Cause that's a whole different, um, Cobb is a very dark movie and it's not for everybody's taste. Um, so, uh, you know, generally I don't count Bull Durham when they ask me, uh, the i'm i'm trying to think what what do you guys think about
2: well i mean for me it's bull Durham and really there's uh, I, I don't have a close second i mean there's 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 not really another one for me and i think it's because of what you said it's not a fairy tale you know the fairy but, tale movies are are cute but they're they're hollywood productions they're not baseball movies and and major leagues is is, is a comedy but it to me not really a baseball. Mo- this is this is the truest baseball movie I think that's ever been made.
3: Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I I would second that. I mean, again, bang the drum slowly is pretty good. Bang and eight man out is pretty good. You know, those two are good movies. I, and 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 also the Bad News Bears in his own, own way because it's about more, it's about America. Yeah, you know, it's about I and mean, especially when you see I'll tell you how it's of its time when you see how they had a clean up the the horrible remake of the bad news bears and they had to clean it up and i mean remember he's giving the kids beers in in the original one
4: <laughs> it's you <know>? so great
3: <laughs> you know he's a drunk he's this alcoholic who's been trusted with these kids and, 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 it's, and it's to pay off a debt and he's stuck and uh, you know it's just a really it's a very smart movie and and you know, and, and the other teams and how seriously they take it and the way it was done. Very, very good movie. Very, very good movie.
4: I was listening to uh, your ipso facto podcast, and the one jumped out to me because it, it said about PEDs and baseball. So I took a listen to it, and the big takeaway that I had wasn't really about PEDs. It was just about these conversations we have when we talk baseball. We talk about years and years ago. We compare players. We were just dealing with it recently in basketball with – being in Chicago, the Michael Jordan LeBron thing, that argument is always brought up when LeBron makes the finals once again. Uh my big takeaway is, well, that maybe we should not have these sorts of conversations, right?
3: Well, you can have it, but they're kind of foolish. Uh you you have to judge people against their own era. You can there's no other way to do that. You can't factor in all the other things. I mean, I I just I mean, I asked I asked Sandy Koufax one time. He said Sandy, with mo- where's the stat- First of all, first of all, where is the statistic for modern medicine? I go. I asked Sandy Koufax. Sandy, with your elbow, with modern medicine today, how long would you have been out if you- when you retired? He said about six months, because they didn't operate on elbows back then. So okay, so now if he's back in six months and becomes a very good pitcher, but doesn't raise the heights that he hit in those four years, is he quote quote Sandy Koufax anymore? He'd be still a Hall of Fame pitcher, but He's not because he stopped. You know, where is the, how many guys had their uh, career shortened or not as effective because of the modern medicine? I mean, also, you know, were pitching every, three, every four days, not every five days. Where is it? They had double headers. They had train rides. It's a, and you're play, so you have to judge against the people you played against. You can't, you know, your competition. Because the same argument is going to happen 20, 30 years from now when another generation comes along. You know, so you if you're the best at your when you played, you're the best at when you played. Compared, you know, you can have fun with it. I mean, the, I always, I I can give you the best player that I saw at every position. I had this conversation with the, the great George Will recently uh, about baseball. The uh, but I can only but yeah, yeah, it's not about you can you can't do it. It's silly. It's a silly argument. Because the whole league's different. Yeah, home runs are up, but batting average is way down. But batting average was more important back then. Uh, and fences okay. are
4: in, and equipment is different.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now, you know, baseball's finally doing what tennis and golf did. They didn't juice the players, they juiced the equipment. I mean, look, it's like, you know, so you, you got to but you can't say how would they have done today well i gotta believe they were the best at their time then they'd be among the best today also because conditioning is different uh remember they played 162 games back then uh or
5: 154
3: you you can't have the argument it's a stupid argument it just makes no sense how do you compare the rules are different i mean look at look at look at quarterback ratings you can't touch a quarterback now you can't touch the receiver so of course of course, passing numbers going to be way up. How do you compare that to to uh, a Otto Graham? You know, you can't do it. You know, so uh, or even just to, you know, even twenty years ago, you can't do it. But you have to, you know, do prepare. You have to argue people in their own era. If you want to air, or, or, you know, make the argument who's better, Mickey Cabrera or Albert Pujols? That one you could have a discussion because they play at the same time. You could have that, you know, you could have that discussion. But that's to compare him to uh, harming Killabrew. that's a whole thing. And Michael, too. The Michael LeBron argument. Same thing. Tough. It's also the game is different. You know, it, it, the three-point shot has changed everything. The supporting cast. I mean, there's it, it, just so many different factors involved.
2: Robert, we could do this all day, uh, but you've been generous with your time, and we're out of time, and I know you're out of time. But thank you very much for this, and uh, we will continue to celebrate Bull Durham. And uh, thanks for being great in the movie. Thanks for your time today. And uh, we will uh, be in touch in the future. Thanks so much,
3: guys. Again, happy Father's Day. Wishing everybody listening a happy Father's Day. Have a great time, Chicago.
2: Thanks so much. Thank you, Robert. Robert Wool from Bull Durham. Uh, that was really fun. We're way late. Uh, We will uh, get to Bruce Levine as quickly as we can.
4: Robert Wool was brought to you by Chicago Wolves hockey. The Wolves are making big plans for their 25th anniversary. Get your season tickets now and receive exclusive benefits. Visit
2: ChicagoWolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Timeshare Exit Team. Is your timeshare just not getting the hint? Try as you might. There's just no way to dump it. Well, lucky for you, Timeshare Exit Team specializes in breaking up with timeshares that no longer fit your lifestyle. Visit timeshareexitteam.com and learn your options. That was uh, that was fantastic. I may need a moment alone, Joe. Uh, Let's take a break because we're way late. We'll get to Bruce Levine as fast as we can here on Hit and Run on the Score.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you for the final half hour of the show. You know what that music means. It means it's time to go out to the Score Hotline, where we're joined by Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine. You can hear every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, and you hear him right now on Hit and Run. Happy Father's Day, Bruce. How's everything going? Same
5: back to you, and uh, it's going well. Uh, have a nice day with my daughter. Going uh, after all the games are over, and it should be an awful lot of fun. And. Speaking of fun, I think the Cubs are starting to have some in their division.
2: Yeah, I don't uh, I don't find it to be all that surprising, Bruce. I think uh, we thought they would start to play like the Cubs eventually. They do have some needs. I would assume that you probably feel like those needs are in the bullpen.
5: I, I do, and, and their bullpen has been absolutely one of the best in baseball. <laughs> it, it's been phenomenal, and now they've been doing it for a little while without uh, Edwards. And, and that has, uh, you know, other people have stepped up. Uh, give Epstein and Hoyer a lot of credit for uh, having a shuttle between Iowa and Chicago and having people step in and kill things either via uh, a, a bridge to a game or a blowout game where uh, they don't want to use their A relievers. And it's worked out extremely well. But I... I see them uh, in the market for at least one bullpen guy, and maybe two, depending on the and where and where they uh, the on the, uh, on the rest of the bullpen. I, I just think that uh, a guy like Herrera with Kansas City, a guy like Dan with San Diego, these are the guys that are going to be sought out, and uh, they can be the uh, difference maker going down the line.
4: Uh, this Jason Hayward. This is the guy that they signed. I mean, the, the the numbers this season, after two and a half months, are in line with what he was doing for his career before he came to the Cubs from St. Louis. Do you think this will continue?
2: Got to put him at home. Yeah, we uh, we lost Bruce. Uh, Eli will try to reconnect with him. Um, the Kopech thing. I thought was interesting this week, Joe, from this standpoint. I think it's kind of a relief for the White Sox a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I know like,
4: exactly what you mean. The pressure is now off on the organization. It, right now, based on what you've seen, his last three outings, there's no pressure. There's Everybody's no, quiet down, simmer down. You must bring him up right now. No, that's that should not
2: be on the table at this point. Well, and it's to be expected. See, that's the thing. You know, progress is not linear. Remember that whole thing? That you're going to have these setbacks. I wouldn't even call them setbacks. You're going know, to have times when you struggle as a young pitcher. Better to do it down there than to do it up here. But it's a little, I think, a little bit of a relief for them that he is struggling, and they can say, okay, see, this. it's just not that simple. Let's Let's take our time. Let's make sure that he's – I mean, Rick Kahn says it over and over and over again. Going to take our time. We want these guys to be ready when they get here, knowing that even when they get here, they're still going to struggle. Um, We've lost Bruce permanently. Is Bruce alive, Eli? Is
6: he okay? On the highway, um, the service is just really bad. Okay.
2: That's okay. Bruce is always available to us. We'll get him back on. Next week.
4: Well, okay. So last week when we spoke with Nick Hosteller, this is something we talked about. Checking all the boxes. What are the boxes? You know what some of the boxes are? Struggling and then rebounding. Mm -hmm. How do you react to the struggles? We want to see the struggles, and then we want to see the player overcome those struggles. So this is what you're waiting on next. This is actually checking. As weird
2: as it sounds, this is checking off a box. What's that word we use for that? Adjustment, mm-hmm. got to make an adjustment, right? Yep. yep. Better, better to do it there than up here. Would you say, Joe? I mean, because you're going to have to. Well, he's going to go through it up here too. Of course, and that's all part of it. Of course, he is. For yeah. The... I, if I were the White Sox, I would have. I I'd be a little bit relieved. Like, okay, good. That's kind of helpful, actually. That that we can take a step back now and take our time and. And it you doesn't know. mean he won't be up this year. Maybe no. he, he probably oh, I think will. It, oh, I think he'll be up this year. His I, la-
4: For those that did not see it, because I know not everybody uh, tracks the minor league stats, these are his last three starts. He has an ERA of eleven four, 5 In 11 innings, he has 14 strikeouts and 17 walks. Now, over the course of the season, his ERA is now above 5 on the year, but but still dominant. We're talking about 82 strikeouts and forty two walks. Before this bad
6: run, he had a
2: sub four ERA. What else you got for us, Eli, from the minor leagues this week?
6: Yeah, so also in triple A. Well, first off Nick Madrigal in the College World Series, one for five yesterday with a single with a single as Oregon State lost to North Carolina. So people are inevitably going to be freaking out about Nick Madrigal just like they were last week. Bust he's done. It's bust. over. Michael Kopeck and Nick Madrigal will not be coming up to the majors. Both bust.
4: We were getting that last week what? How poor he was playing in, in the
2: College <laughs> World Series.
6: It was bad. Stop. You know,
2: the, the road to hell is paved with the careers of guys who were drafted in the top, in the, in the top five who never did anything. And then there are, the, there are the hundreds of players who were drafted in the 10th, 15th, 20th, 30th round who became All-Stars or Hall of Famers. And the absolute opposite is true as well. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't know. How about give the guy fifteen minutes? <laughs> How about put on did... a White Sox uniform? On some level, fifteen minutes in the minors sounds before... like
6: Ed Farmer there. Before you decide what, Joe's Joe's a White Sox comment. <laughs> Sorry, Eli. Go ahead. All right, and th- but there are some bright spots in Triple A. Spencer Adams called up from Double A AA to Triple A. Seven innings pitched uh, yesterday. Three hits, two runs, three walks, no strikeouts. Three earned runs in his last four starts combined between double-A and this first start in Charlotte. Uh, Carson Fulmer pitched uh, the day before that on Friday, five and a third, seven hits, two earned runs, six walks, one strikeout, uh, 3.62 ERA and five AAA starts since being called and sent down. Jordan Stevens is a name to keep an eye on. Uh, he pitched on Tuesday, six in each pitch, three hits, no earned runs, seven strikeouts, two walks, a three, six, seven ERA and five starts, and then... Keeping on track with the pitchers here, Alec Hansen, with his first start. I know Barry's very high on Hansen. He pitched yesterday's first start. He's coming back with forearm soreness, four and two-thirds, nine hits, six earned runs, four strikeouts, one walk. And again, that first start since the forearm injury is first start of 2018. Mm-hmm. Dane Dunning pitched on Thursday in Double A, eight innings pitched, four hits, no one runs, ten strikeouts, and no walks. A 2.72 ERA in 14 starts in Birmingham. So you got to think his call up is going to be to at least a Charlotte sometime soon. Also, 10.03 strikeouts per nine innings pitched, and then two other names to keep an eye on. Dylan Cease pitched on Thursday, eight innings pitched in a High A. Winston Salem Five hits two hundred runs, four strikeouts, two walks, a two eight nine ERA, and thirteen starts down in Charlotte or down in uh, Winston Salem. He's got to
2: be moving again, right?
6: You got to think because the Winston Salem Dash just won their first half title; they clinched a playoff spot, so it's probably going to be he's coming gonna, up soon.
2: I'm sure he'll be pitching in an All Star game. Yep, of some kind,
6: and then he's got to be moving too, right? Definitely. And then Bernardo Flores also pitching in the All Star game for Winston Salem. Seven in, seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs. Five strikeouts and no walks on Tuesday, and a 255 ERA for him in 12 starts down to Winston Salem. And then last but not least, I want to get to this because White Sox fans have been thinking about him. Dylan Covey, a 153 mm. ERA uh, and five starts since being called up to the White Sox back to the major leagues on May 23rd. He's what he had to say to me yesterday about what's gone into his success. Mechanics, I think, was a big part of it, just making a simple fix to get over my front side a little bit better. I don't cut myself off as much
2: in my delivery, so I'm not pulling pitches and, like, you know, spiking things in the dirt as much. Confidence, I think, is the biggest thing. I'm not scared to attack the plate and attack the hitter. Last year, I think I was kind of pitching to avoid contact and avoid giving up hits, kind of. And now I'm just trying to throw the pitch over the plate and control what I can control which is base runners on the base paths, first pitch strikes, throwing strikes in general, quality strike, quality pitches. Thank you, Eli Hershkovich. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Joe, will wrap up the show. I have the Harold Reynolds moment of the week. And a couple of other uh, nuggets uh, to wrap up with here on Hit and Run on the Score.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
2: Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Final few minutes with you today. Coming up next, Kevin Zipak and Herb Lawrence. Then it's David Schuster taking you up to Cubs pregame at 6.30 right here on your radio home. For the Chicago Cubs, Joe, my favorite Harold Reynolds moment of the week. As he was on with Dan Plesek, and of course Plesek is analyzing what's going on in the game, and Jacoby Jones' name comes up, and Harold Reynolds analyzed Jacoby Jones in the following fashion by saying, wow, Jacoby Jones, I love that name. (laughs) His parents got that right. What a great name. Jacoby Jones. I'm just imagining you texting Plesak in the moment. You think I would do that? Yes. You think I would I would text Dan Plesak while he's on the air? Yes. And rip Harold Reynolds? Yes. With specific instances? Yes. On each and every show? Now, now I'm 100% sure <laughs> that it's happening. And do you think he would text me back with an appropriate response? During the show or after the Having show? Having something perhaps to do with an Emmy that someone has <laughs> won? <laughs> That's why we called it out at the time. <laughs> hey, Joe, we shouldn't go without uh, first hearing this, uh, something that we referenced uh, numerous times today, and Robert will talked about it at length. What the hell's going on
3: out there? Looks like a convention. Pretty soon they're going to call the roll. <laughs> Get
2: your out there and check it out.
3: Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live Was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing
2: with a lot of Well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh,
3: maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or maybe a silverware pattern. Set. Okay, let's get to
2: That's amazing that that was, that was created by Robert Wool and was just something he tossed out there thinking no one's ever going to see this. From his wife. <laughs> From his wife. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic.
4: The um, I wanted to say, mention something that Rick Hahn brought up earlier in the week that we've talked about in the past uh, involving Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. And we were talking about whether or not he would hit every level, meaning he would go to Charlotte. And I always thought that he would because they've stressed check all the boxes, take our time, check all the boxes. And, and you were wondering whether or not it was necessary. You don't feel it was necessary. I was
2: saying that you, you, you could, could make go, the jump. You could make the jump. He confirmed that he will
4: go to triple A. He's still in double A. He will go to triple A. And Luis Robert will be going to high A very soon. So he'll he'll be moving up to the very talented Winston-Salem team like they need his help. But uh, but yeah, so I, it, it's going to be a while. I know some Sox fans were thinking June, July for these guys. They would see one of them maybe. I don't see it. I don't see it. It's going to be
2: late in the year. Joe... Happy Father's Day. Barry, happy Father's Day. We're out of time. Lots of fun today. As usual, we didn't get to half of what we were supposed to, but that's usually your fault, right? No. Oh, It's (laughs) not. It's you or Eli every time. Then I'll take the blame. Time for thank yous to Eli Hershkovich. Great job producing, as always. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine, for maybe 30 seconds. Shannon Dreher and the great Robert Wool. Thanks for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you spending some of your Sunday with us. Stay tuned now for Kevin z and Herb Lawrence. Then it's David Schuster and Cubs baseball right here on 670 The Score. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everyone, and have a wonderful Father's Day.
3: Carpool with McGowan to the ballpark in the morning.
5: McGowan. Are you
2: kidding me? Holy Moses. How about that for a sec? So long, everybody.
1: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at (sighs) play.it. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little
0: help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.